This morning, as we continue our journey through the Gospel of Mark, we find ourselves again in the ninth chapter where Jesus heals a demon-possessed boy who his disciples were unable to heal. The story is found Mark 9, 14 through 29. Let me read it for you. It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. And so they brought him when the spirit saw Jesus It immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has it been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible to him who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw the crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. After Jesus had gone indoors, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? And he replied, This kind can only come out by prayer. Let's pray. Dear dear Father, again, I, I pray that you'll help me as I bring forth this message And God, help all of us as we receive this message from Jesus. And so God, again, open our hearts and minds to the truth that you have for us today. And God, help us to be not just hearers of your word, but doers. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Last week, we had a mountaintop experience along with Jesus and his disciples, three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John. We traveled together with them up a high mountain where Jesus was transfigured before them into his Father's glory, where Moses and Elijah miraculously appeared with Jesus and talked with him, and where Jesus spoke from a cloud, declaring about Jesus, this is my Son whom I love, listen to him. I mean, they must have all been on cloud nine after experiencing that on top of the mountain. But when they came down from the mountain, they found the other nine disciples arguing with the teachers of the law. The the spiritual joy and excitement that they were feeling was sucked out of them in that moment. 
Satan has a way of doing that. A way of taking away our spiritual joy. A way of throwing cold water on our spiritual enthusiasm. It happened to Moses when he came down excitingly from Mount Sinai, having received the law from God. He finds the Israelites worshiping a golden calf. And the spiritual fervor that he was feeling was gone. It happened also to Elijah after he had a great victory against the prophets of the false god Baal on Mount Carmel. But when he came down from the mountain, evil Queen Jezebel threatens his life, and his victory suddenly turned to defeat and depression. The same kind of thing can happen to us. We have a mountaintop spiritual experience. We get refreshed with a trip to the Smokies or the beach. We get all charged up at a revival meeting or a Promise Keepers event. We get inspired reading a Christian book or seeing a Christian movie. We get uplifted by a worship service or a concert. We get challenged in hearing a sermon or a lesson. We get heartened by an answered prayer or a special blessing. I mean, we can be on a mountaintop, but again, Satan has a way of taking away our spiritual joy, a way of throwing cold water on our spiritual enthusiasm. In today's story, Jesus is troubled when he comes down from the mountain. He is troubled that his disciples are arguing with the teachers of the law, but he is even more troubled that his disciples couldn't cast out the demon from the little boy. At this point, the disciples have been with Jesus for more than two years. They have heard the many powerful lessons that he has taught. They have witnessed the many miraculous miracles that he has done. They have seen the many ancient prophecies that he has fulfilled. But the disciples' faith in Jesus was not as strong as he had hoped. Sure, they had confessed that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Three of them had heard as God declared him to be his loved son. However, the disciples are not trusting Jesus as much as he would like. In some ways, they were not trusting what he says. Not trusting what he can do, and most important, not trusting what he can do in and through them. I wonder if any of that could be said of us. Are we trusting in our lives what Jesus says? Are we trusting what he can do, and most important, are we trusting what he can do in and through us? Imagine a number line. At one end of the line... It is totally trusting ourselves and our abilities. At the other end of the line is totally trusting Jesus and his power. And each one of us is somewhere on that number line. Somewhere between totally trusting ourselves and our ability and totally trusting Jesus and his power. Now in some sense it doesn't matter where you're at on that line. What matters is that you're moving on that line towards totally trusting Jesus and his power. I mean, that's what Jesus wanted for his disciples. Developing a greater trust in him and his power. 
And that's exactly what he wants from you and me as disciples, his disciples today, developing a greater trust in him and his power. And developing a greater trust will happen in three stages, three stages that we find in this morning's story. Stage number one is a prideful trust in ourselves and our abilities. Look at how our text begins, Mark 9, 14 through 19. It says, when they came to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and the teachers of the law arguing with them. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. What are you arguing with them about, he asked. A man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you my son who is possessed by a spirit that that robs him of speech. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. O unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Jesus is obviously upset with the unbelief that he saw around him. The unbelief that he saw in the teachers of law who were opposing him and his disciples. The unbelief that he saw in the crowd that was just repeatedly amazed with him and his miracles. The unbelief that he saw in the boy's father who wasn't sure that anything could be done for his son. But again, most troubling to Jesus is the unbelief that he saw in his own disciples. They should have been able to help this desperate boy and his father. Remember back in in Mark 6, Jesus gave the disciples the ability to cast out demons. Mark 6, verse 7, calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. And Mark 6, verses 12 and 13, same chapter, tells us that the disciples were able to cast out demons. They went out, it says, and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. And so the disciples had the God-given ability to cast out demons, And yet they weren't able to cast out demon, the demon from this boy. Now why not? The answer to that question may be in the question that the disciples asked Jesus later. When they asked him, why couldn't we drive it out? And the word we is actually emphasized in the text. The disciples thought that they could cast this demon out themselves. They they thought that they could do it in their own and in their own strength. Here's what Tim Keller says about the disciples in his book, The King's Cross. He said how arrogant and how clueless they are about their inadequacy to deal with the evil and suffering of the world. The disciples tried prayerless exorcism for the reason... The same reason that they couldn't understand why Jesus had to die. They didn't see how weak and proud they were. 
They underestimated the power of evil in the world and in themselves. The disciples had a prideful trust in themselves and their abilities. That's why they couldn't cast out the demon from the boy. And we need to be careful that we don't have the same prideful trust in ourselves and in our abilities. Because with that kind of a faith, we won't be able to accomplish what God wants us to accomplish in our lives as his disciples. I remember mentioning in our Bible study class a few weeks ago a Sesame Street book that we often read to our children. I can do it myself. I can make my bed. I can brush my teeth. I can comb my hair. I can do it myself. I can put away my toys. I can button my clothes. I I can set the table. I can do it myself. We can easily bring that same kind of thinking into our spiritual life. I can live for Jesus. I can serve God. I can overcome sin. I, I can do it myself. I can love others. I can be a witness. I can preach and teach. I can do it myself. The truth is we can't do any of those things effectively without Jesus and his power. But we can mistakenly keep doing all of those things, trusting ourselves and our abilities. If we would only realize how inadequate we are to deal with Satan and his evil. If only we would realize how weak and prideful and foolish we can be. If only we would realize how much we need Jesus and his power. Then we'd move beyond this first stage where we pridefully trust ourselves and our abilities. Stage two is an uncertain trust in Jesus and his power. At this stage we recognize we can't do it ourselves, but maybe Jesus can help us do it. We pick up the story now, Mark 9, 20 through 22. So they brought him, that's the boy, when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered. It has often thrown him into fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. This boy's father is desperate for his son's healing. That's why he came to Jesus in the first place. But Jesus wasn't there at first. And so this father turns to the disciples for healing, but they couldn't do it. And now he wondered whether Jesus would be able to cast this demon out of his son. Can you imagine saying these words to Jesus? The words that the father said, if you can do anything? I mean, Jesus has the divine power to do everything. And yet the father is not sure that he can do anything to help him or his son. And let's face it, at times we can be unsure of what Jesus can do. That he can do anything with the problems that we have, or with the crisis that we deal with, or with our illnesses, our failures. 
Jesus responded in Mark 9, 23 and 24, If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes immediately. The boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Jesus challenges the father amidst his doubts. He turns his words around to show him that the problem wasn't with the miraculous power that Jesus had to heal his son. The problem was in the father's ability to believe that Jesus could do what was humanly impossible. I mean, that is always true. I mean, Jesus has the power to do everything. Everything's possible to him. The challenge is for us to believe that he can do everything. Please understand that this doesn't mean that we get everything that we want. But if there's anything in God's will for our lives, even if it is humanly impossible, it is possible if we believe. It is possible if we trust Jesus and his power. What a great response from the Father. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. This man is confident as he shares that he believed. I mean, he had a faith in his heart, and yet at the same time, he honestly shared that he had some unbelief. He still had some doubts. And his prayer was, help me overcome my unbelief. And that really should be our prayer as well. Help me overcome my unbelief. Because there are times in all of our lives when we have faith, We have faith in what God can accomplish in our lives. But yet at the same time, we can have doubts. See, times when part of us trusts Jesus and his power, and part of us doubts Jesus and his power. Let's face it, our faith may often be an imperfect faith. But our perfect Savior responds even to an imperfect faith. I mean, he did it in today's story. Mark 9, 25 through 27. When Jesus saw a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit, you deaf and mute spirit, he said. I I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Jesus cast the demon from the boy on the basis of the father's imperfect faith. And Jesus will respond to us in our cry for help on the basis of our imperfect faith. But, we, but he will not work. But he will not work without our faith. He will not work with us trusting him and his power. And that needs to be, again, constantly where we're heading, not just having an uncertain faith, an uncertain trust in Jesus and his power, but taking our faith to stage three, a total trust in Jesus and his power. That's what Jesus wanted from his disciples. Notice how our story ends, Mark 9 Verses 28 and 29. 
After Jesus had gone indoor, his disciples asked him privately, Why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, This kind can come out only by prayer. The reason that the disciples couldn't drive out the boy's demon was that they had pridefully trusted themselves and what they thought that they could do. When what they should have done was simply trust Jesus and what he can do and what he can do through them. And nothing shows a greater faith in what Jesus can do than prayer. I mean, prayer is a recognition that we need God. It is a recognition that we are desperately in need of Him to work in our lives. It is a recognition that we cannot, we cannot do what we are to do without Him. As I thought about this point, I thought about Jesus' words in John 15, 5, where He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That last phrase, apart from me, you can do nothing. We may foolishly think that we can live the Christian life on our own, in our own strength and in our own wisdom. But the truth is, we can't begin to live the Christian life without Him, without His power and His wisdom. And the sooner we learn that, the better. Some people think of prayer as the last resort. If everything else fails, then, then I'm going to pray. However, the truth is, prayer should be the first resort. Before we do anything else, we pray. We lay out our need, our problem, our decision before God and pray and trust that He and His power are going to work it out. See, God wants us to depend upon Him always, to depend upon His power, to depend upon His working, to depend upon His wisdom, to depend upon His will, and all of that can be done in prayer. Matthew's gospel records a different answer from Jesus when his disciples asked him why they couldn't cast out the demon. Matthew 17, 20, he replied, Because you have so little faith, I tell you the truth, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible to you. In this verse, Jesus promises effective praying. Prayers that can move mountain. Prayers that can accomplish the impossible. And the key to that kind of praying is faith. Faith in God as small as the mustard seed. Just as a small faith in prayer produces mountain moving happenings. However, our faith must not be in what we can do, but our faith must be in what he can do. Our faith must be in what He can do in our lives and in our world. God is the one who moves mountains. That's the reason that Jesus said nothing is impossible for us. Because nothing is impossible with Him. I tell you, I think that's good news. We, we don't have to summon up more faith to be more effective. 
It isn't about us not believing hard enough or us not trying hard enough. We only need real faith the size of a mustard seed. And in response to that small faith, God can do mighty things. He is the one with the power. We're not. However, it should be our desire as disciples of Jesus to grow in our relationship with God. To get to know Him and His will for our lives. To get to know His grace and His love. To learn of His power. And to experience His power working in our lives. A key part of that is developing a simple but total trust in Jesus and His power. That is moving from a prideful trust in ourselves and our abilities to an uncertain trust in Jesus and His power, and finally moving on to a total trust in Jesus and His power. And again, that's what we want to challenge you to do this morning as we close. I've got some practical applications for you, some steps that we can take, we can all take, as a result of this morning's message. Number one, consider where you're at personally when it comes to trusting Jesus and his power in your life. Again, where are you at in that line between totally trusting yourself and your abilities and totally trusting Jesus and his power? Where are you at? Now, number two, commit yourself to getting to know Jesus and his mountain-moving power better than ever. Again, uh, we want to move up the, the, the number line. We want to move towards totally trusting Jesus. And the most important thing is this third step. Surrender yourself to Jesus in prayer, totally trusting Him and His power in your life. And again, all it takes, it doesn't take a giant faith to do great things. It only takes a small faith. But a small faith in a big God that can accomplish the impossible. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the encouragement in, in this passage of Scripture. And God, I pray that we'll be encouraged uh, to, to, again, to a greater trust in your Son and in his power. God, I pray that it will be at work in us. And God, it is our prayer that you will work in us, that you might work through us to impact others. God, I thank you so very much for your love and grace in Jesus. And may be he, may he be glorified in our lives. We pray all that in the powerful name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen. As always, we thank you for, for listening. And, and more important than that, uh, we want you to know uh, that we're here to help you in any way that we can. And so uh, don't... don't don't hesitate to contact us. Uh, give us a call on our church phone, uh, 217-379-4443, or you can contact us through our website, paxtonchurchofchrist.org. And if you reach out to us, we'll, we'll reach out to you. Once again, thanks for listening. I, I, I pray a blessing upon your week ahead, and, and we look forward uh, to sharing with you again next Sunday.